Hi, and welcome to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Chris Leroy, and this is the place to be to make your own rules, unleash your superpowers, and live life on your terms. On this podcast, we speak to Mavericks who inspire us. We aim to get the insight and wisdom from their story to give you the clarity, courage, conviction that you need create a life and work that you love. Our guest this week is world-renowned yoga teacher, entrepreneur, and modern mystic, Daniel Aaron. Daniel travels the world teaching yoga teachers and in 2012 set up the highly acclaimed Radiantly Alive Yoga Studio in Bali. He has also taught Esalen and Omega and studied with many modern yoga masters. Daniel firmly has both feet on the ground and has founded, run and sold several businesses. And he works with business leaders using a signature mix of personal inquiry, breathwork and coaching to create transformation. What I love about Daniel is his wisdom, his open heartedness and his open mind. He follows his intuition and sees everything as an opportunity to grow and learn. And that's something we all could learn from. So with that, let's get to it. So hi Mavericks, welcome to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast and I'm your host Chris Roy and today we have a, a very special guest, a coach, an astrologer, a wisdom keeper, a yogi and just a, an all-round sound man, Mr. Daniel Aaron. Daniel, how are you doing today? Well, thank you for the kind introduction, Chris. I feel fantastic and I'm excited to be here. Great to have you. Great to have you. So, so Daniel, just for our listeners, um, obviously they'll be able to read the show notes and get a bit about you, but why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of who you are, what you're up to in the world, and a little bit of your story. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> my story is um, about as ordinary as it can get in terms of um, the Western world. I started out um, in a lower middle class family in the U.S., and on the standard American diet and fed by all the standard American um, dreams and goals. <laughs> but I had, um, from the earliest age, uh, I remember being just as a toddler out in, in the front of my family house and looking around um, back in my own family, in the home and uh, all the sort of fighting and argument and, um, just confusion around what love is that was in the home. And then I looked around in the neighborhood and I saw people that were, um, I don't know, they, they kind of seemed to me like automatons, obviously. I didn't have the word for it then, but I saw people coming and going, going to their jobs. Um, and there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of joy or satisfaction or fulfillment in it. And um, I just remember from the earliest age, something hit me that this, there's got to be more. This can't be all of it. There's got to be more to life than this. So, but, you know, I promptly forgot all of that and then grew up in the normal um, American <laughs> things. Um, right. Yeah. And it wasn't until, it wasn't really until my mid-20s when um, some things started to shift for me. And the biggest one was what you could call a spiritual awakening, although it sounds a bit pompous to say it um, like that. Um, <laughs> so what happened? <laughs> uh, well, it's dangerous uh, territory to go into because um, it's a long story. But um, we'll give the shortest version to start with anyway, which is to say okay. that um, what it felt like is... Uh, God reached down and grabbed me by the hair and lifted my head up and said, look, there's more to life than you have been seeing. And I love that. 
and it was um you know it was all kinds of things it was scary and it was amazing and everything that had been my life up until that point was greatly disrupted um and yeah well there's a short version <laughs> okay okay but it was it was a a huge epiphany moment by the sounds of it it was yeah in the, you know and there were there were many um many components to it and it was a process though certainly there was one um crystal moment which i can share with you that um perhaps is the epiphany portion of it or, or <laughs> one of the epiphanies <laughs> which was quite literally i had um climbed a stone tower um, there's a whole lot more to the story but um, i had climbed this stone tower and i stood there and had this feeling and i was all alone i was in western massachusetts there was nobody around um, and i stood at the top of this stone tower and it was um, just starting to rain and it felt so um geez cliche um, to say it this way but the way it felt was like i was a lightning rod for divine energy and it poured into me and and it was almost like i shook with that electricity and and then it passed and i laid down and i laid down on this cold stone surface and i could feel the rain coming down on me and when i laid down on the surface i realized how hot my body was cuz there was steam coming up around me and what I got out of it, the message was very clear. I didn't have these words for it then, um, though later when I started really studying spirituality, um, trying to understand what happened, uh, um, the famous words, um, for enlightenment, laundry, after enlightenment, the laundry. And you know, not, not that I'm uh, claiming this was enlightenment and I'm, um, in fact, I'm not a fan of that word, um, which is another story, but what I got out of it in that moment was a realization that nothing can ever truly harm me. And there was incredible freedom that came from that. And I had a realization about um, what I'm here to do in the world. And, and it was very ordinary though. And then it was, you know, the do the laundry part was okay, well, let's, let's get going. Time to walk home. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So just so kind of this re really big and then a very, very practical mundane part to it as well. Exactly. Yeah. Love that. What, what an amazing moment. So where did that, where did that kind of in broad terms, where did that lead you? Well, <laughs> um, well in broad terms, where did it lead me? I laugh because the first place it led me was to utter confusion um, and um, led me into the American mental health system um, because from a lot of perspective, it looked like I had gone crazy. And I certainly wondered if I had too. Um, and, right. you know, and, and I learned out of that phase, one of my favorite quotations now <clears throat> from Krishnamurti, which is to be well adjusted to an insane society is not a sign of sanity. <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. 
Well, you know, and again, I didn't, it's another one, like I didn't have that awareness at the time. I just thought, oh man, I've gone, you know, crazy or what's going on. I don't understand this. And um, so that led me into the mental health um, realm in the U.S., um, which was awesome in that I learned a ton about myself and about the American mental health um, machine. And I had incredible healings and processes while I was deeply immersed in that. Um, and then, oddly enough, where it went from there was I went into a serious depression, um, which is the only time in my life I actually have been depressed, other than in you know a few moments or a few days, maybe. Um, so what happened was, uh, this was... Uh, actually got diagnosed with clinical depression and it went on for months um, to the point where if I could get from the bed to the sofa, it was like a great day. And it was, uh, it was horrible, but you know, one, um, one silver lining to it um, or sort of thread of hope that was always there for me was I knew somehow that it was temporary. Um, and and I'm very blessed with that because I know some people that have that suffer from depression, serious depression, don't have that piece of awareness and it makes it all that much worse. You know? right. right. So you know, and now when I look back on that period too, this is um, two and a half decades ago. I look and I say, well, that depression was helpful. Um, we so often look at depression as uh, a thing that is to be avoided and bad and destructive. Um, but, you know, I, I also learned from my own experience, and it's helped me in working with other people too, that sometimes what depression is, is just a retreat. It's a stepping back. It's a saying, you know what, this is all too much at the moment, or I need to understand some things within myself before I come forward again. Um, so there were, there are also some great benefits to that period. Um, I, what a wonderful kind of interpretation of, of depression. I mean, that's incredibly liberating and empowering as opposed to, you know, the standard Western medical model that's quite pathologizing. So I, I really love that. Well, yeah, good. And thank you. And, you know, it's also worth bringing the caveat in here that for excuse me, anybody that is suffering from depression, that doesn't feel like there's anything possibly good about it. Um, and I certainly don't ever want to be depressed again, um, even if I have an elevated standard um, for what it really means now. Um, yeah, enough said, perhaps. Sure, sure, sure. So, okay. So this was two and a half decades ago you're now uh kind of in this place where you work with people you have taught yoga you've done astrology you coach people you help people to you know i i, lo I love uh your your notion of uh the art of vibrant living so what are kind of some of the things that have kind of some of the highlights of the journey between then and now that have led you to, to where you're at hmm. uh thank you you know and i love um I love the, the title of your podcast here. Um, Mavericks Unlimited is great in that um, 
for some of us, there's no choice but to be a maverick in a way, you know, to do the standard. Like for, for me, from the earliest moment, uh, even before that toddler image I gave you before, I knew a few things about myself. And one of them was that I was not going to live an ordinary life. <laughs> you know, and as I say that, the truth is there, there is no ordinary life. Everybody's life is unique and amazing. Um, and, and the unlimited part, um, I think, is great, too, because well, it creates unlimited possibilities when we really become a maverick. Um, it also creates unlimited challenges and problems to it. Um, and right. so uh, to come back to your question, though, is some highlights along the journey. Well, when I came out of that um, depression period, um, I, boy, Jesus, it sounds, uh, I'm not necessarily advocating any um, religious perspective, but um, the words that come to me right now is I was reborn. Um, and I felt reborn coming out of that, and I ended up moving to a place in the U.S. called uh, the Omega Institute mm. it's in upstate New York, and center of consciousness. We called it in those days the uh, New Age summer camp for adults. <laughs> I've I've heard Omega called that before. I oh, love it. That's great. Yeah, and it was when I got there, I was freaked out by the whole thing and also a kid in a candy shop. I was just amazed that uh, this incredible world opened up to me and that I got to learn and study and play and teach all at the same time, all in the same day um, was just phenomenal to me. Oh, that's, wow. that's really, I think, what um, catapulted me. You know, if I step back to summarize in a way the, the little journey that I've, uh, illuminated so far you know I had an awakening and then I had a moment of uh, holy moly I can't you know how do we do this there's no way to live this kind of possibility I'm scared of everything now um, <laughs> to then coming out into the world and saying all right well how you know now that I don't know anything um, and it's all new what how do we do it and how do we live life and what's it like to be a human being and it's good to learn what a human being is and what our potential is. I, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I, I think, you know, what you're, what I hear from your journey is, you know, often there are those, those epiphany moments, aren't they? Whether you kind of see them as kind of a spiritual awakening or, you know, whatever that's down to. And very often those moments of clarity actually breed more confusion along the way before they open up the path as it were. Um, and I think that's a beautiful illustration. Absolutely. You know, and um, I'm such a, um, uh, what about punk, I guess, is the word that comes to mind sometimes with, um, with, my, with clients and students. When, whenever they say I'm confused, you know, I've learned to celebrate that and, um, you know, and sometimes to poke a little bit of humor. Because sometimes when we're confused, it's very serious and uh, debilitating and um, but what confusion really is is um, this state that's right before discovery right before learning and breakthrough um, so you know if our aim in life is um, to keep waking up or to find more joy or more love 
then the moments of confusion are ones that we can celebrate. Again, I, uh, one of the things that's coming through loud and clear for me about you, Daniel, is just this really kind of joyous perspective. And there's a, you know, you, you, you have a, a really nice reframe of what many people would, as you say, see as a, a serious or a, you know, a, a negative thing. Whereas, as you say, it is actually confusion is the, 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 the dark before the dawn, right? And usually that, that waking up happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, so okay, so cool. So, so here you are, kind of a couple of decades later, you're into, uh, kind of looking at vibrant living, kind of finding more joy, finding more love. What, what, what does your work look like now? What, how are you um, manifesting or expressing your, your purpose in the world? Thank you. It, uh, it, it looks fantastic. It looks amazing. I love it. I feel so blessed. Um, and it's, it's evolved a lot for me, even in the last few years, last couple of years. My, so my aim or my mission has always stayed the same, really, since, you know, since that period we were talking about a few minutes ago, um, to help people live their potential to help them get free to um, help people's lives improve in ways that are meaningful to them. Um, and the way it's showing up now is I, I feel so humbly appreciative of technology um, to, you know, even this is a great example to allow us to, here I am in Boulder, Colorado, you're in Brighton in the UK and, we're able to have a conversation like this and people are going to hear it, are hearing our voices right now. And hopefully there's something in what we're sharing that's helpful to them. And, you know, so my own work coming back around to your question more specifically is I work with people one-to-one. -one. I do a little bit of that and I quite appreciate that work. Um, I'm always learning so much from the people I work with. And, and again, this kind of technology, the way I do it is mostly through video call. And it still blows me away that I can, you know, actually see someone across the world and we can have a real deep meeting in that format. Um, so that's one part of my work is through that. Um, and another is um, in a way similar, I have what I've taken to calling a, um, virtual sangha and i'll explain that because <laughs> um, it's not really virtual the, the way we connect is virtual and sangha um, is a is a buddhist term that means something like a a group of people who are seeking truth or have a common aim um, mm. it's you know, like a spiritual community in a way um, so i have uh, another in more conventional terms membership or mentorship membership program where um, we come together and meet in what, I, what do you call it conference calls I guess yeah uh, in uh, in spiritual terms that's a satsang uh, gathering <laughs> yeah. of people in the name of truth and and we get to share our lives and our discoveries and I get to help people with you know, as you said, sometimes um, reframing what's going on so that we can actually mine 
the gold out of the, the, the dross of our, our everyday experiences and, um, you know, and, and then share and connect and help with strategies. And um, it's also an incredible thing. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very excited here, so eager. Um, it's so good, so good. <laughs> the technology that is uh, allowing us to connect and teach in different ways now. Um, and I say that because I've, for many, many years, I led live events and I had a center in Bali, Indonesia, and people came from around the world to do trainings and retreats. And, and I still love doing all that stuff. And I do also offer live events though. And now to have the ability to share teachings in a video format um, to build a school that exists online um, and for people to access the teachings whenever it works for them uh, without having to travel around the world um, is just seems like a miracle i'm super grateful it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it isn't it it's it's pretty special mm -hmm. so in terms of like uh so so um I'm curious, you've been through this spiritual journey yourself, and, and clearly that's a perspective you come from, and it's one I very much appreciate. Um, what is, if, if there was a core to your, your message or a core to your teachings, what would that core message or that core teaching be? Thank you for that. Um, great questions, and I'll step back just for a moment um, to address something you said. I've been through, you said something like I've been through spiritual uh, learnings or teachings or experiences, something like that. What, what was it? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember my exact words, to be honest, but yeah, essentially spiritual journey. Yeah, okay, perfect. Um, and yes, and still doing it. Um, and and I'll, I'll just jump back for a moment to, um, I said earlier, I don't so much like the word enlightenment. And <clears throat> part of that is because it implies a uh, before and after, uh, or a um, wasn't enlightened, now I'm enlightened. Or it also implies a sort of finish to a journey. And uh, my perspective, understanding, uh, and experience is that there is no end to any journey, um, to any good journey, to any spiritual journey. And we are always getting more enlightened. We are always um, becoming more and more of our truest self. And the question becomes whether we're doing it on purpose or not. Um, and <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, and which, you know, mitigates a lot the amount of suffering that's possible um, or you know some would say from the Buddhist perspective inevitable in life um, well I'm not so sure about that and so if I come back to my, my my first response to the question of what's the core teaching it's that anything is possible and that we are so blessed to be able to choose any experience any vibration and you know don't get me wrong um, many of us are in circumstances that uh, are beyond our control, yet 
we can always choose our state, our vibration, our way of looking at those things. Um, and that makes a massive difference for how we proceed from there. That makes huge sense. Makes a huge sense. So let, let's kind of, um, kind of put this into some application, as it were. And I'm kind of, kind of curious as to um, kind of how, how you apply this. Because I think, you know, for some people, what we're talking about will, will kind of be, be second nature. Uh, in terms of the what we're talking about for other people will be a kind of a new a newer experience or a newer subject so in terms of say on a daily basis obviously as you say you're you're still going through the the journey you're still here and you know that that brings with it the 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 blessings and the challenges of day-to-day life as it were so what kind of routines or practices do you have on a a daily basis that keep you motivated focused in high vibration uh, and in good kind of good state as it were yeah thanks it's a it's a great question and i i sort of snicker uh, at first because i have so many <laughs> <laughs> little rituals and routines that um you know to me at this point in my life seem normal and then sometimes i encounter others and I think oh these are not not everybody's doing these kind of things um, and you know from the most simple obvious ones like uh, meditation and yoga to drinking water when I first wake up in the morning to visualizing to uh, making sure I'm breathing a lot um, and especially when I'm afraid of feeling something um, to you know, go against what I learned as a kid, which was to prohibit myself from feelings, to repress and suppress feelings that I didn't want, to now having a part of my practice being, um, you know what, if there's a feeling there, let's bring it on intentionally and allow it to manifest and overtake me and um, teach me. So... Well, I could go on, but there's a smattering of rituals. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm just really kind of curious around the last one you, uh, you mentioned there, because, you know, I mean, kind of from a, both a spiritual and a therapeutic standpoint, we know that you know, if you truly allow yourself to feel your feelings, then, you know, they can be a bit like weather and they eventually pass and there's a reason they come up. But for a lot of people, you know, and for a lot of mavericks kind of stepping out there, you know, fear can be really real or upset or, you know, there are a lot of these emotions that can seem overwhelming. So from that point of view, and obviously this is a huge subject and I'm asking you to compress it into a minute or two, but how do you invite that feeling in? How do you use your breath to invite it in and, to experience it and to learn from it. Yeah, it, it is a huge topic and such an important one and and also so simple. Um, and it's often the case in life that the simplest things are most powerful. And I, I realized just recently actually that I've been sharing with um, students and clients a lot and teaching lately about the importance of feeling and it's probably worth stepping back to 
clarify, I also just a moment ago talked about the importance of knowing that we are in control of our own state. Um, you know, we can choose how we see things. We can choose what our reaction to them is. We can always choose that, which is an incredibly liberating thing and often seems to be contradictory with the, the, the other message I gave a moment ago, which is, you know, allow your feelings to come up. And in actuality, they're both quite compatible and work well together. And, you know, you're absolutely right, Chris. Sometimes, um, especially for those of us who are achievers and who are go-getters, type A personalities, want to, you know, run our businesses or whatever it is, we do all of that in a way to not feel things that are underneath. And so when it comes to actually allowing feelings to come up, one is it's not socially acceptable. Like, you know, if you, if you cry in public, you know, somebody's going to rush over and say, what's wrong? What's the problem? Um, right. And it's, you know, part of what I want to <laughs> share with people is it's okay. Cry, you know, cry in public. And that's, that's, you know, well, let's, let's have human mastery where we've got the full range of our human experience and emotions available to us all the time. And, then we can create a culture around us and our families and our businesses and our communities where, where any emotion is okay. You know, what the, uh, what we do with the emotion, what the behavior that comes from that, well, that's another story. And we certainly need to have some agreements around that. Um, right. And, but to, and to bring it back more simply to the question you asked how to actually feel what to do, um, it's so simple. It's just breathe. And, and what's amazing is how deeply we are conditioned and trained from early childhood out of our survival needs to stop breathing when there is something that we don't want to feel. And, you know, I say stop breathing, but it's not really stop breathing. It becomes just becomes more shallow or um, yeah. longer pauses in between breaths. Um, and the antidote is so simple. It's just take big belly breaths and more of them and mentally say, you know what, I'm going to allow this feeling to come in, breathe into it. And then, and then it comes. <laughs> right. I, I love that. I love that. And I, and I appreciate you kind of, you know, explaining it in such a, such a, a simple way. Um, and uh, you're right. Most of, most of us spend a lot of our time not breathing deeply. So is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. And, you know, if, if the answer to this is no, then I can edit this bit out, as it were. Um, but, you know, is there anywhere uh, people can go online to find kind of any basic um, exercises you might have done around breathing or kind of basic breath work so they can get a flavor of the kind of thing you're talking about? Well, certainly, yeah. On on my YouTube channel, um, there's I have a few different videos that um, talk about breathing and how to do it um, in ways that invite feeling. Um, and my uh, teacher in the therapeutic breath realm, and I've I've been blessed to study breath from a lot of different perspectives and. Um, 
and my teacher who really first introduced me to it as a therapeutic process. Um, her name is Judith Kravitz and her website is transformationalbreath.org, I think. Um, okay. It's easy to find though. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. And um, I'll add one other thing, Chris, about um, this conversation, this piece of it. You know, I'm suggesting the possibility of all of us as adults who are now resourceful enough to handle our feelings, to uh, invite them in and allow them in. And it's worth noting that we did stop feeling things and learn the, the process of holding our breath and, and repressing and suppressing emotions as children because we needed to. Um, and that was part of our survival and we all have different stories around that. What I'm suggesting though is as adults now, we don't, we don't need that. And we have the capability of feeling <clears throat> and part of what happens often for people is, uh, as you intimated that when we, when, when we, when we sense there's a feeling there, we push it away consciously or unconsciously because we're afraid it'll overtake us and debilitate us in some way. Um, and as you said, it's never the case because emotions come and go. And if we follow up the, whatever the emotion is with some great questions like what's, what's, the, what's the teaching of this? Why is this coming to me? What do I get out of this? What triggered it? How, how did this happen? What do I learn from this? What do I, how do I take this in a positive way going forward in my life? Um, then we, we get a lot of value out of the feeling amazing amazing and that is real fuel to move forwards isn't it let's face it going from that place then you, you shared kind of your your kind of daily routines with us and uh some of the practices and um we all have those times don't we when we kind of get we, we talked about confusion earlier but when we get stuck and we feel stuck as it were so i'm curious what do you do in those moments to get yourself unstuck oh my goodness what a great question um well you know i do all kinds of things you know probably first i feel sorry for myself or i whinge or <laughs> i blame somebody else or you know say it's some external thing um and you know the the more we all practice taking responsibility for ourselves in our lives um, the shorter uh, is the duration of that kind of stuff. Um, so what was the question? What do I do to get unstuck? Mm. Well, I shake things up in some way. I, um, I breathe. I ask how I'm stuck. I go for a walk. Um, I'm a fan of uh, cold water experiences. So I take a cold shower or a cold bath often. Um, you know, if I can get out into nature, that's so healing and so uh, liberating to the the ruts that I've been in and in my um, old ways of seeing things. Mm. How's that? That sounds that that that's great. So I'm just I'm just picking. I want to pick pick up on one of the things that you said, which is the cold water experience. Um, you know, there there are. Uh, the cold water thing is still quite niche, but it's sort of come into a lot of people's consciousness with 
kind of Wim Hof, the Iceman, and kind of Tony Robbins doing his cold plunge every day. And Mel Robbins was talking about it. Uh, but obviously, a lot of people were going to say, oh, my God, a cold, cold shower or a cold bath or whatever. What's the, what's the benefit of, of the cold water experience for you? Well, the, the primary benefit from me, for me, um, from my perspective, is the small practice of facing fear. And, you know, it's, it's something that I know is not going to kill me. Um, and, you know, and I'm speaking about, you know, taking a, a cold bath in my house or um, a cold shower. Um, you know, certainly there are occasions where cold could kill us. Um, right, <laughs> but right, right, right. All right, and I know that it's not going to kill me. And yet, many times, just before I go to have the cold experience, there's a little part of me that goes, "No, I don't want to do it. It's going to be uncomfortable." Um, and you know, and, and so for me, you know, back to the conversation we we're just having about emotion. In the same way, I feel like I need to train myself continually to allow emotion to come up, even when it's not the emotion that I want um, and or is seems acceptable. You know, you know, I keep a lid on that enough to um, not freak people out too much. <laughs> but but the, the, the primary benefit to me of cold water stuff is just to train us, train ourselves to be open to all of life's experiences, to um, do what scares us or is uncomfortable. Um, and then I also quite appreciate the physiological benefits of which there are many. Mm, mm. So just if somebody, somebody wants to try that, is it as simple as literally just go from say a hot shower to turn the cold tap on or what kind of what what kind of uh, thing could a person do to make that easier for themselves, as it were, but still say turn the cold tap on? Yeah, well, and, that's, and I'm glad you said it that way, Chris, because I, you know, for a lot of my life um, in my own practice and in my teachings, I was really in the old school approach. Old school meaning like the popular approach in the 60s, 70s, um, which was confrontative and, you know, go after it and push hard. And, um, and I've realized over time that there is so much benefit in a gentler approach with ourselves and with, um, with the people we work with and, you know, keeping it in that sweet spot where it's a challenge but not so much of a challenge that we contract and freak out and get overly stressed. So the gradual approach to cold water is a great one. And sure, yeah, just like you said, when you're in the shower and you're having the hot shower and it's blissful, and, um, and then at the end of it, turn it down and uh, you know hit the cold for 10 seconds. And for some people, that will be massive. Um, for some, that's nothing, and they just want to get in a cold bath, you know, cold bath to start with. Mm. Mm. But but the point the point I'm taking from there is ease into it, as it were. 
for, for I think for 99% of people, that's the best way to do it. The best way to do it. Some of us are a bit extreme and we like to push the edges. Uh, so whatever works, I think is the bottom line. Great. Great. Love that. Absolutely love that. Um, m- moving on a, a, a little bit, as it were, I'm kind of interested in kind of wisdom and advice as it were. I'm, curious what is the uh amongst your many travels what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given oh wow the best piece of advice i've ever been given huh all right well the first one that comes is um funny i was just sharing this with a client this morning maybe that's why it's fresh for me um i had this incredible experience, um, which is a whole nother story, but uh, I was traveling with a group of uh, chain smoking witches as part of a psychic fair through Spain and Portugal. And we were in Portugal, in uh, Lisboa, Lisbon for three weeks. Right. (laughs) You know, it was such a bizarre experience. We were staying at a a five-star, super fancy hotel um, because the owner of the hotel was a client of our head witch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Brilliant. Right. Now, you know, this is so weird. I couldn't be making this up. Um, and one of my, the best experiences I have that I still go back to in, in life is there was a guy who was uh, like a doorman or bellhop. I'm not sure the technical title, but um, when we would leave in the morning, he would open the door for us. And, uh, and he was such a sweet young guy. And his, his English was coming along nicely. And uh, he said two things. Uh, he would alternate between them. One is he would say, never walking alone. And I won't even try and do his accent. Um, he would say, never walking alone, my friends. Never walking alone. And... You know, and it was always, uh, he would say it with such a big smile. We never really questioned it. It was such a moment of, oh, well, I wonder what he means by that. But then it got a little bit more clear because the other thing he would say is, my friends, keep the face. (laughs) And he would say that, you know, so often, keep the face. Never walking alone, keep the face. (laughs) Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Out out of the mouths of strangers, eh? Exactly, yeah. Wisdom comes anywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, so talking of wisdom, if you could travel back in time, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your 17-year-old self? Thank you. I'm uh, taking that in for a moment and, and I'll relate it, you know, to what I just said about keeping the face. Um, and, I, and I think why that was such good advice from, from that sweet guy is that it's so easy to, in this 3D world, um, you know, the, the material world, it's so easy to believe what our senses tell us and it's so easy to see um, things not as we want them to be or not as you know we think they should be 
in our own lives or in the world around us and to get discouraged from that. And so, you know, that keep the face, keep the faith is the, the lesson of there's so much more than what our physical senses tell us and deep in our bones, in our heart, in our gut, for all of us is an awareness of the, the true essence of life, which is beauty, love, harmony. And we haven't realized that in the physical world. And for those of us that are sensitive to that fact, it's often painful and discouraging and challenging. And, you know, if we can keep the face and remember the truth that we know is inside us, then it makes it a little bit easier to, uh, boy, this is weird that this expression is coming to me, but fight the good fight. Um, you know, I don't, I guess maybe back to the fighting in the sense of um, battling to create heaven on earth is, is in a way a battle to retrain ourselves. Right. Right. Retrain ourselves to look and reach for that beauty and that love rather than be ruled by our own demons or ego or whatever that stuff is fantastic i love that um let's let's talk about influences as it were because uh, we, we all have those people that have come before us right and those people we look up to and you mentioned one of your breathwork teachers earlier but who are some of uh, some of your influences some of your kind of maverick heroes or heroines as, as it were and why why is that yeah that's a great question and i feel so humbly appreciative of the incredible teachers and i've had so many i've been so blessed with that in my life um and really a full range you know in terms of different realms i've i've been with many of the modern masters of yoga and you know uh but also in the personal development range, like I so appreciate the work of uh, Landmark Education and Tony Robbins. Um, he's been a great mentor for me. I also appreciate um, just the simple lessons that I got from my mother, um, who taught me a lot about perseverance and, and also taught me a lot about, um, you know, what doesn't work in life. And... Um, you know, and, and through her own sufferings and challenges, um, she taught me a lot about my own approach to life and, and, and I suppose informed me to my work with people and helping people. Mm. Mm. How, how, how beautiful. And what are some of the kind of the, the arts or like, the, like books, films, music, art or whatever do you look to has had an influence in you or inspires you or feeds you well you know i resonate with something that um well i was gonna say that hemingway said i don't actually know if he did or not but i heard that hemingway said this <laughs> and 
he said, only read the best. And, you know, this was, I think, uh, advice to young writers sort of thing. Only read the best. And there's one perspective where that can sound snobbish. And from another perspective, I think it's just good advice for all of us to develop discernment. And we are such open windows to stimulus and these days more than ever. Um, so being choosy about what we consume, whether that's food or media is to me just makes good sense. Um, mm, and right. so I guess on, on that level, I, I love, um, I love the arts. I love reading. I love films. Um, and I look for things that are, inspiring to me or educational in some way or uplifting at the least. Mm. So what, what was the, uh, the last film that you saw that you absolutely loved or the last book you read that really spoke to you? <laughs> well, you know, what comes to mind at the moment um, is I have a 10 year old daughter and her and I have been on a tear with Sherlock Holmes stories. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And um, he, yeah, yes, you know, from, um, and there's a, an incredible audio book that uh, I don't remember offhand who did the reading for it. Just amazing. Um, and hearing those stories um, with incredible accents and then tuning into the various um, cinema and show renditions of it over the last many years is phenomenal too. Mm, mm. It's, a, it's such a, a rich and evocative um, set of stories, isn't it? And how they've been interpreted. Uh, really, uh, you, you're making me hanker after them now, actually. <laughs> well, and you know what's fun, it's been really fun for me with my daughter is to, for both of us to train our faculties of deduction more, which is obviously what Sherlock Holmes is a master of, um, and to then turn that into like, cause I'm not, you know, I'm not that fascinated by crime like he is. I am fascinated by um, human patterns though, and the patterns that govern the states that we get into, whether we're sad or happy, it's just a set of patterns that get triggered off. And if we can, you know, learn to hone our, our powers of deduction for ourselves and in the people around us in terms of emotional states and those kind of patterns, well, that's really valuable. And really fascinating as well. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. So, okay. So just, just to kind of round us off as it were, and one of our, one of our missions or really it's our big mission uh through through mavericks kind of the metacall if you like is to create a world that works for all as it were and so but of course we all have our version of what that kind of means as well so if there were no limitations what one thing would you change about the world and what would be your very first step towards that one thing i would change about the world well you know um this is probably a bit radical um and for some people anyway, the first thing though that comes to heart, first thing that comes to mind is I would 
prohibit the consumption of animals. Um, and meaning, and I don't know if I want to want to say it that way. Not that I would prohibit it. Um, okay, but we're in the world of infinite possibilities. Absolutely. Um, I would, um, you know, wave a wand to bring all of us to an awareness that um, the animals are our brothers and sisters, and what we do to them, we do to ourselves. And so there was instantly no further desire to uh, exploit them or eat them. Um, and instead there was a great desire to take care of them and protect them and help them. Mm, I love that. And what, what I, what I really love is, um, you know, certainly things like veganism, for example, have become a very big thing. And I was one of our previous podcast guests, a guy called Chris Chamberlain, who uh, is a sustainability guy, uh, was telling us all about things like impossible, like impossible foods, impossible burger, that kind of thing. And, so, and some of the, the alternatives and, and kind of social enterprises that are coming out now to really kind of bring plant-based uh, living to the to the fore, as it were. Uh, so, I love I, I I love that, and I think there seems to be an increasing resonance with that kind of message. So um, incredible. So lo very very last but not least, Daniel, if people want to find out about you and your work and what you're up to in the world, where can they find out about you? Where can they connect with you? Um, what I, what are the pla the ways for people to get in touch with you? Thank you, Chris. And I will, I'll come to that. First, I'll add a little bit about um, what I just said about the animals. And you're right, it's an incredible uh, time that we're in where plant-based foods are so available and so good and it's so easy. And, you know, for many of us, food is our greatest addiction. And for anybody to say, hey, don't do that or don't have that can um, produce a lot of uh, antagonism inside ourselves. So I'll follow it with a little more um, gentle advice or suggestion around it is part of what I'm speaking of with this is the um, practice from yogic terms called ahimsa. And one way of translating it is do as little harm as possible. And you know, when it comes to my uh, teachers and heroes you mentioned earlier, it's funny that as you say that I'm actually looking at my little altar here, and on it is Jesus, Martin Luther King Jr., and Gandhi. And for any of us who in some way want to be happier and healthier, and you know, the idea of giving up eating meat seems crazy or uh, unsafe or whatever, then the next question can be, well, how can I reduce the amount of harm or uh, hurt that I am inflicting in the world? And we're all doing some. Um, so just day by day, what's the least amount of harm or what's the most amount of love I can give into the world today? <clears throat> so, and that, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's all right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm backpedaling a bit from my um, radicalness of, um, that and 
you know, because I also know for myself that um, anybody telling Mavericks, we don't like to be told what to do, right? <laughs> right, right, totally, totally. Um, However, the question was in in a world of no limitations. So, uh, I think what you've done there is planted the world of no limitations, but then given given the pathway towards that. So, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, thank you. And you know, I'm I'm most interested and curious as to what's the most fun, easiest way we can all create um, love and joy and fulfillment inside ourselves and in the world at large. And uh, so back to your question though, thank you, how people can um, reach me or get in touch. Um, easiest is my website, danielaron.com, A-A-R-O-N. Um, I'm on Facebook also, and that's it. Great, great. Well, I, I will put the links to your, uh, to your website and your social profiles on, uh, on the show notes as well. And um, just to say, thank you so much for uh, just a brilliant conversation. Um, I've, there's so much practical stuff in here, but also just a lot of food for thought and some real kind of mind openers, as it were. And I just really appreciate the openness that you've brought to this, uh, to this uh, conversation. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And thank you, Chris. You know, I, it's, it's, it's been um, very kind of you to allow me to um, wax on so much here. And it's been more of a monologue than a conversation at many times. And I appreciate what, what you're doing by uh, offering yourself up and inviting people in and sharing and helping people get more courage to be their maverick self. And, you know, and I know that to interview, I do a lot of interviewing myself, uh, is is a humble yet beautiful thing to do. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to um, talk with you and get to know you and share with your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And so there you have it, Mavericks, um, wrapping up our conversation today with, with the, the wonderful Mr. Daniel Aaron. Uh, thank you for listening, and I will see you and catch you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Bye. Hey, listen up, don't go yet. Did you get something meaningful out of this episode? Well, the most meaningful thing that you can do right now is to go and leave a review on iTunes because those reviews are what keep us here. And please make sure to share and to subscribe to this podcast. Finally, are you unleashing your superpowers? Well, if so, show us on Instagram with the hashtag Mavericks Unlimited and we'll see you over there. And with that, thanks so much for listening to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast at mavericksunlimited.com. Bye for now.